politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow dissident Americans, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast, your only source of true independent conservative news and views. It is a new week. It is Monday, June 15th, and it is the end of the country as we know it. Folks, I don't even know what to talk about today. The problem is I need an entire show to discuss how our fiscal sanity is being destroyed. I need an entire show to discuss the lies of blood libels matter and what went on with that Atlanta cop and the truth about the criminal record of that fugitive that nobody wants to talk about. I could sit and talk about Four different Supreme Court orders and opinions today that massacred conservatives that demonstrates everything I have said on this program since its inception about the fraud of conservative justices because conservative justices reflect the fraud of the conservative movement because they're not conservative. And how rather than expending our political capital on going and opposing the concept of judicial supremacism, we actually juiced it up. We raised the stakes of it by frantically trying to appoint judges that are nothing but frauds. Our society is going to be remade into a transgender hellhole. If you're basically, if you're an American who is not part of a favored class, who does not cut his balls off, who does not engage in sodomy, which somehow is preferred by the the media and our political system now and our legal system. If you want security, well, folks, you may as well move to Greenland. Maybe that's where we need to go. So let's just summarize what happened with the courts this morning. And we'll go to Atlanta And if we have time, we'll travel back to the courts. Today was a massacre at the Supreme Court. There are four things that were done today. The Supreme Court denied cert in 10 gun cases, including a New Jersey case, a right to carry case. So in other words, as they create rights for illegal aliens, rights to transgenderism, rights to your property. I have the right to demand you hire me and you don't fire me in your employment. You don't have the right to protect your own property. You don't have the right to protect your body. You don't have the right to self-defense. Ten years after the Heller decision, a bunch of lower courts with a circuit split goes and shreds the Second Amendment and they refuse to take up another case. Well, they refuse to take up the case. In other words, they are allowing those things to stand that there is no right to self-defense. Thomas dissented. Kavanaugh joined him. Now, it takes four to hear the case. I have to assume it was Gorsuch and Roberts, certainly Roberts, but I don't know for sure whether it's Gorsuch or Alito, but between the two, I would say it is Gorsuch. Now, as you're going to see, one of the things I mentioned is that there's this perception that, that, that there's a five to four conservative majority. And as I noted, it's really a four to one liberal pr- plurality with Thomas being the only normal one. And then it's one, one, one. 
They one 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 one. Right, right. They each have their things. They each take turns screwing us, depending on who it is. Alito on net is the best of the remainder, but he's not like Thomas. And then you have the other ones that will just take turns screwing us on crazy cases. So that was the first one. Now, while the courts do not recognize, or put another way, while they allow states to go and and just completely infringe upon the Second Amendment, they're also allowing states to crush federal immigration law. California basically criminalized cooperation with immigration enforcement. AUSC 1373, federal law, um, states cannot restrict the flow of information between law enforcement and federal immigration agents. That is a sovereignty issue. It's a core job of the federal government. Yet California nullified it. DOJ took them to court. Ninth Circuit, of course, rules with California. And today, the court denied the appeal. Thomas and Alito would have heard the case. Thomas and Alito, and that's it. A third case. The Supreme Court basically remanded another capital conviction in Texas. I'm not going to get into this too much. It's too in the weeds. We don't have the time. But this is a growing trend where basically another way of how they inject race into our law of basically saying, oh, he didn't have sufficient counsel. Oh, the jury pool was racist. In this case, they said he didn't have sufficient counsel. All this stuff, garbage. States have control over criminal convictions, yet the federal courts nullify them every second. What states do not have control over is federal immigration law and nullifying the Second Amendment, and then suddenly it's hands-off. States could do what they want. A real right is read out of the Constitution. What's antithetical to a right is read into the Constitution. A legitimate state power is stripped of the states, and what is a federal power is given to the states. That is the backwards court that we are confronted with. That's a conservative court. Now, by the way, in um, the death penalty case, it was Thomas wrote the dissent, now, this wasn't an opinion. It was a denial. Well, actually, no, it was It was kind of an opinion. It remanded the case back. It was an order. It was Thomas joined by Alito. I'm sorry. It was Alito joined by Thomas and Gorsuch. So there Gorsuch was with us, but Kavanaugh wasn't. It, it's, it switches off. Okay. Then we have the big enchilada where Josh Hammer, my buddy, called this several months ago. I suspected it. Because he's a progressive libertarian, Gorsuch writes the majority opinion, joined by Roberts and the four liberals, to say retroactively that a 1964 Title VII of civil rights that bars discrimination against blacks in the workforce, that that means transgenderism and homosexuality and God knows whatever future sexual fetish that wasn't around in 1964 and wasn't is not even around now, but that will be created, will be retroactively put back in. If we have time, we'll go through that. <clears throat> if not, we'll go through it more tomorrow. But taken together, there is a right to illegal immigration. There's a right to transgenderism. There's a right to your employment and your property, but you don't have a right to open your business. You don't have a right to go to church, right? The Supreme Court, if you remember last week, denied that case. 
because of the lockdown, you could I could not have written a book on this. I mean, I did write a book on this, but this is even more absurd than in my book. This is utterly insane, the world we are living in. I'm just telling you, friends, what we are doing is not working. This entire election, oh, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, they suck. I warned you about them. I opposed both of them. They were never vetted, and in fact, we knew exactly that they were establishment hacks that care about what people think about them. Now, this much I don't blame Trump because he wouldn't know this. It's the stupid Federalist Society, the Libertarian Society. This was the big scam of the GOP. It's all about judges. So they legitimized it. I mean, they steamrolled Democrats into just appointing all these judges. Turns out, doesn't matter, as I predicted ad nauseum for five years. Because the conservative legal movement is a fraud. The conservative political movement is a fraud. Judicial supremacism is a fraud. The Republican Party is a fraud. If you think that you will save this country by voting Republican, I have a wet market to sell you in Wuhan. Okay? This, it will not end well. I don't know, but we need to do something. And I'm going to transpose now back into the rioting. See, the problem going on in our government is this. The message to the country is loud and clear. Violence is the answer and crime pays. Those are not my views. But basically, we beg, please, could I open my business? We hold a little rally. Screw you. The left, they riot, they maim, they murder, they burn, they loot. And now the whole country is talking about both parties, what to do about police reforms and more jailbreak and more criminal justice reform. Police are prosecuted. Most violent criminals are let out of jail. A judge released a looter that bashed a cop over the head, made it bloodied him up. A judge in Manhattan released him. Up is down, down is up. Fundamental rights flipped on its head. It's actually very consistent. If, if you think about it, putting it all together, it's actually extremely consistent. We now live in a, in a identity-based supremacist society that if you are a favored group, you have super rights. If you're not, you don't have unalienable rights. And the unalienable rights have to yield to the super rights. I mean, the founders, I don't even think they could have envisioned this. But what is it we do? We don't want a French Revolution on our end like the other side does. We want an American Revolution, but it doesn't work. All this stuff, oh, let's have an organization, let's do this. And I'm speaking to myself. It's not working. We have to think better and bigger. I don't know what the answer is. But our society, our values are being remade. And it's not even the values anymore. Could you, I, I, I don't, again, I, I want to get to the Atlantic case, but we could talk about just the dis, sheer disruption. It's not even a matter of, hey, I want to fire someone simply because he engages in sodomy at home or something. No, it's anyone who comes in, let's say they cross-dress and act, act absurd and just disrupt your workforce. It's not a matter of like, I don't like you. It's just like, I can't have the decorum like this. Or what if you're a Catholic school? You now have to hire a cross-dresser and you get sued if you don't? This has wide-ranging uh, um, implications. What about 
men and female sports. Implicit in what they're saying that that is sex discrimination. To I mean, sex discrimination, the whole point of sex discrimination was you're not allowed to discriminate against a woman. And now we're saying you have to treat a man like a woman too and discriminate against women. It's unbelievable. But let's get to Atlanta. See, what happened in Atlanta is more egregious than you even think. And it demonstrates the fraud of the whole George Floyd thing. How it was never about black lives. It was never about justice. It was never about really rooting out police brutality. It was never about anything systemic. It was an excuse to destroy our country. Because here's the deal. The Floyd case was like, you know, assuming you, you know, just look at the video. Every cop who looked at it was like, yeah, I, I could certainly do my job as a cop without doing that. That's that's absurd. You know, you put your knee on his neck for nine minutes, he can't breathe, and then he dies uh, way after any, you know, altercation was over. Yeah, I mean, that was that was clear cut. But that's the thing. It was so clear cut. Justice was served immediately. No one disagreed. It was so anomalous. But yet they made it about every police action. They used that to criminalize every police action. Now, notwithstanding the fact that we now know a lot more from the toxicology, um, from the fight that happened, it could be he wasn't even putting a lot of pressure on him. could be he wound up dying of a heart attack. We don't know. That will come out. But I'm just saying, even if you say the video is the end all, so fine. Now we see, nope, it's about cops even violently attacked and self-defense. Riot first, get the facts later. What happened with this cop in Atlanta and Rayshard Brooks is emblematic of everything that goes on in our society. See, what people don't understand is that when you have crime so rampant, when you have violent repeat offenders being released and released and released, and they violate their parole and they're still not locked up, You understand what happens. You understand that police are going to always come across these eggshells that they don't know what they're stepping on. So in this case, the police didn't come in and, you know, they they, they didn't bash the guy's head in or something. They were called down. And I want to make it very clear. It's not like they were policing people blocking, you know, Wendy's drive-thrus. They were called down. People call the cops. To restore order. They call. They see him blocking it. They knock on the door. They say, hey, what's your story? He opens a car door or, or they open it, whatever. And everyone talks about how amicable of a conversation it was. The police were very patient with him. Hey, are you tired? Could you sleep You know, at the other edge of the parking lot so you're not blocking the way? And then slowly, you know, they develop a story that he was drunk and they give him a breathalyzer test, which he fails. So it turns out he was driving drunk. And I think what I can't prove this, but like you're going to see in a minute, I think the cop must have rung up his criminal record and saw he's a fugitive. But either way, very resolutely, but professionally arrests him as he's putting his left arm into the cuff. The guy yanks it away and grabs the two of them and starts fighting with them. And again, this is not just like, you know, some of the some of the cases are like like more like disobedience where they'll plop themselves down and they won't get into the car. He was fighting with them okay he was fighting you know there's this notion by some that every cop needs to be chuck norris and he has to go until an inch of his life 
before using deadly force. But I got news for you. Like, so, so like as if somehow they're, they're too trigger happy. You could always find cases like that, but in general, it's the opposite. 58,000 cops are injured every year, and this is why. They, they, they go through the tussle, and it's not so clear. I want you guys to understand something very clear here. A cop having a gun is a, and even a civilian, you know, for those that are concealed carriers, it's a double edged sword. I mean, I'm all for carrying, but I'm saying it's a double edged sword because it's almost like a use it or lose it. If you don't use it and you get like incapacitated or he, you know, outdoes you in a fight, you're in big trouble because then, then he could use deadly force on you. Then he could take your gun. This guy, it's not like he just wanted to evade and run away. He took the taser. And then he ran. So cops chased him. The guy, and this is straight up on the New York Times video, he turns around and fires the taser at him. Taser didn't hit him, but he did fire it. So the guy shot him twice in the back. The cop shot him and he died. That is the antithesis of at least what the video presented on in the George Floyd case, the initial video. This is the classic case that cops are up against every day. It's clearly self-defense. Now, I hear this thing, oh, why did it have to turn out that way? Just a low-level offense. This is what they're missing because the guy made it that way. It's not like the police took it to, like, we're obnoxious with him. They, I mean, they're enforcing a DUI. But the guy made it violent. What do you want them to do? This happens every day when they're on alcohol or drugs. They're called down, and often it's a low-level thing, but they're called down. You can't have a guy block traffic. You can't have a guy driving drunk. Drunk driving kills a lot of people, so they have to enforce it. And often they get violent on them. What do you want them to do? But, but there's more to it. They made this guy out to be the biggest family man. He was waiting to come home to his daughter to celebrate her birthday. Well, folks, it turns out that Rayshard Brooks in Clayton County had a history from 2013 to 2016, with theft, theft in 2015, theft in 2016, false imprisonment in 2014, simple battery on March 31st, 2014, cruelty to children. And and in, in the charging document, it looks like it's domestic. It appears to be those very family members that he was such a family man. Cruelty to children. Charge May 30th, 2014. Uh, in 2013, obstructing the officer as well as false imprisonment. I don't know the, the circumstances. It was a weapons offense in 2012. Drug offense, obviously, that always comes with the territory. Tons of criminal charges dating back, even when he was a juvenile. He's 27 now, dating back like when he was 17. So obstructing an officer. He had a history of this. That's why he ran. That's why he grabbed this taser. That's why he was violent. Because this guy, I don't know yet. I'm still piecing this together. But it appears that he barely served any time. He was on parole. How do I know this? So it took a while to verify if it was him. The age, the name matched up. But it could be someone else with the same age and name. But the Atlanta Journal-Constitution put out an Instagram message from this company in Toledo, Ohio. This restoration company that said this guy... Brooks worked there, and he was the greatest person alive. Well, if you go to Toledo, Ohio, Lucas County, Ohio, court records, just this past December 30th, just six months ago, 
he was arrested for being a fugitive of justice in in Georgia on those very charges that you see that you know theft, cruelty in Clayton County. Okay? And it appears that he was repossessed by Georgia on January 6th of this year. I don't know yet how he was free and what happened. But that explains why the guy ran. It was a parole violation. And that's what it was. And it could be, the cop may or may not have seen this. I don't know. It could be he did. If he did or didn't, that's not the point. That's why the guy ran. And folks, this happens all the time. This is what people don't understand with the low-level offenses. Yes, you could have some people that the low-level things you catch them on, and drunk driving could be deadly, but drunk driving, blocking away, disturbing the peace, you know, these things. It could be that is the worst they have done and will do. But often, it's the repeat violent offenders that were let out, violate their parole, aren't re-locked up. I mean, this is the single biggest thing we need to do. We need to deter and take care of. Guess what? If they're going to beat children and they're going to steal, well, they're also going to be drunk and act drunk and block a a drive-thru. Okay? So when police come down to these things, that's how you have these cases get so violent. That's the story of Freddie Gray. It's the story of Michael Brown. It's the story of Floyd. Whether it was ultimately justified in the end or not, pending the outcome of the trial, and what exactly the cop did. Obviously, if he was putting that weight on it, it wasn't justified. It was different than this case. But this is, putting Floyd aside, this is the story of every other case. They make it violent. If you want fewer police shootings of violent criminals that attack them, put them behind bars. Solve the crime problem and you'll solve this. You know, you look at Powerline blog, it has a great chart of the reduction of New York police shootings over the last 30, 40, 50 years. And you find it's like the number of police shootings is like all time low. Now, until recently, because until recently, crime in New York and murder was an all time low. They went from 2000 murders to 300 murders. So obviously it's going to be fewer police shootings because they're dealing with violent shooters and robbers and murderers. Oh, there's too many among blacks. Well, there's too much murder among black criminals. Just like there's too many, I could say there's too many police shootings among males. There's anti-male discrimination. There's not enough of them among females. Well, dude, that's because all the violence is among the males. It's the same thing. How come there's no police shootings with Orthodox Jews and Mormons and uh, Amish? Well, dude, because they don't have that going on there. So you don't have the police interactions with them. I mean, this is the big lie. Could you imagine this guy is being, everyone in the country thinks the cop just shot him while he was sleeping. That's what they, they were saying. Just sleeping, you know, at a, at, a, at a Wendy's. And they just opened the door and just shot the guy. Oh, he's the greatest family man waiting to go home to his kids. He probably beat that very kid. I mean, one of the kids, at least. He was charged with cruelty to, to children. Big charge. So anyway, in December 30th, when he was in Toledo working for that um, restoration company, Arc something, that said he was the greatest man who ever lived. Fugitive warrant, state of Georgia, probation, violation, failure to, failure to notify community, supervision of address change, failure to comply. 
complete theft prevention class, original offenses, false imprisonment, cruelty to children, family violence, battery, simple battery. Folks, this is everything you're hearing is Orwellian. We talked about on Friday. Oh, there's there's a growing uh, pandemic in the country, uh, a second wave, and it's really the opposite. It's their policies of bringing in people from Mexico. And it's actually a function of the lockdowns with more people finally coming back to the hospital and they simply test them positive and the, and the virus is very mild now, so it doesn't matter. Everything you hear is the opposite. And, but you know what? The problem is there's so much going on that they have a thousand degrees of media saturation behind a lie. By the time we debunk it, no one knows about it and they're on to lying about the next 10 things. But this is what the cops are up against. This is what people don't understand. You know, they're too trigger-happy. They use too many tasers. They use too much physical... Well, I mean, which one is it? You have to shoot them, use a taser, or tussle with them. So if you tussle them, well, you're too violent. What do you want from them? You go do the job. I understand we expect them to be a little bit stronger and more trained and skilled than the average civilian, but how much already? And then these same people want affirmative action. And now, believe me, you know, just like we already had it with blacks and women, we're going to have now with homosexuals and transgender, thanks to this court ruling, that anyone who happens to be one of those identities, and, you know, like anyone else, they just don't make the cut. You have blacks that make the cut and blacks that don't. You have whites that make the cut, whites that don't. But a white that doesn't, okay, so he didn't make the cut. Any of these others, you get a lawsuit for not hiring them. So it's even harder now. What, you expect female cops to tussle with a guy like that? Give me a break. But these guys did tussle with him. It's not like they shot him on the ground there. He got away. They chased him. He didn't shoot him. He turned around and fired the taser at him. Oh, Daniel, well, he should have allowed him to tase him. That's not deadly force. First of all, you don't, you don't have to allow someone to, to, to harm you. But it is more than that. Let me tell you about another non-deadly use of force used against a cop. A rock. Okay? Two years ago, and, and I think the trial is still going on, this, this cr- criminal bashed uh, sergeant from Weymouth, Massachusetts, Michael Chestnut in the head with a, with a rock, knocked him down. I, I, I think he was unconscious. I'm not sure. He took, then the criminal took his service gun and shot him 10 times. Obviously killed him. That's what happens. You you can't afford to get incapacitated as a cop because you have a gun. It's use it or lose it. I mean, it's so easy. Well, it's a shame. It really, yeah, I know it's a shame. It's a shame that we have all these violent criminals that are given not second chances, but 5, 10, 15 chances. Despite not low-level nonviolent offenses, but repeat violent high-level offenses, and they're let out, and they're given parole, and they're allowed to violate their parole five times, and they're not reincarcerated. That is what we need to deal with because that's a danger to victims of crime. It's danger to black victims of crime. And guess what? If you solve that problem, you'll and you solve crime... You solve police interaction. The police are not the problem. It's the second base. That's not first base. The problem is the crime. 
This is the fundamental problem we're dealing with with these bogus Gorsuch type of libertarian phony conservatives that I have to deal with, much less the left. That everything is, the starting point is the cops or the justice system. People are fine and the cops and the justice system come and grab people and beat them up and throw them in jail and then now we have problems. No, the starting point is that we had crime. Reagan got tough on it and we reduced it by 65%. And then you know what else we reduced by a similar commensurate degree? Police shootings, which are almost all justifiable. That's the thing. I know, I know we all love crying and celebrating a dead cop. Courageous, what do they call it? Courageous restraint. And you know what? You have those cases. For every one of this, which is totally justified, you have, in my view, unjustifiable so-called courageous restraint, where cops wind up dead or they don't get the guy and he goes and kills someone else because they were too scared to use force. This is the big lie. See, you look at Floyd, at least the video, again, uh, what happened ultimately, what he died of, we don't know how much pressure he was putting on, but, but let's just say, you know, the video. Any cop could look at it and say, look, I could easily not do that and still do my job. I, I would never think of doing that. But you look at a video like this, they say, if you're going to be prosecuted, which, you know, that corrupt attorney, uh, DA, Howard, says he wants to do felony murder. Bring him up on felony murder. And remember, we had five black cops that were just fired and prosecuted by the same guy. Where they edited the video. They didn't show that they almost ran them over with a car. What do you want from them? Everyone has their story of, oh, I think the cop, this cop was brutal, this cop was brutal. Sure. With almost a million law enforcement every single year, 375 million police interactions a year, you give them this much power and a gun, you'll have some arrogant ones. It, it, I mean, it, it's a necessary evil. You, you could try it in a limited way to see what you could do to limit these guys and root them out, bad apples. But, I mean, we, we actually have a pretty remarkable record when you think about it in the scheme of things. And the few cases you have, guess what? They're not racial. There's more white shootings that are much more unjustified and you never heard of them. I bet you never heard of Daniel Shaver. Maybe some of you have, you guys are smart, but most people haven't. Case in California, or not, uh, Mesa, Arizona a couple of years ago. This cop you know, so basically, it was one of these classic misunderstandings. This guy was a um, an exterminator, so he had a pellet gun. He was showing someone, like maybe I think he had his hotel window open. He was showing a friend there. Um, you know, it's what he uses to trap birds or to kill birds. And someone saw through the window of the hotel, oh, there's a guy with a gun. They, they call the cops. And again... Remember, like, this is what happens. People call the cops. It's usually not the cops just kicking in doors um, and trying to find people. It's, it's people get scared and they call. They come down. If you say a guy's got a gun and brandishing it in a hotel room, they, they have to assume it's not a misunderstanding and they, they have to come in with full force. So basically, there's a video. They have the guy on the floor in the hallway and the guy is just barking at him. And what appears in the video is that the guy was totally cooperating, wasn't doing anything wrong, his hands surrendering, and he's like, shut up, don't talk, and he just crawled towards me, and he started crawling, and he just shot him. 
And this guy seemed to have a, have a history. He also had something etched on his service gun. You're in quote, quote, you're effing dead. Meaning those words were on the, um, his service gun. So he, he was a real one of those. Okay. Guy was white. The cop was white. The suspect in this case was white. Daniel Shaver. You know what? He was charged with second degree murder. He was acquitted of all charges. I don't know the circum. Again, the video looks horrendous. I don't know all the circumstances. I didn't follow the trial. The guy was reinstated for 45 days to get his pension because they had to reinstate him. He did nothing wrong, according to the law. No riots. Nobody in this country will ever hear of Daniel Shaver. Now, I don't know what the story there. I didn't follow the court case. If, if the jury was, you know, if, if they were right there. I'm just telling you, if you would have had a case like that, the guy would have been black. I mean, it's 10 times worse than any anything we've seen. Even with Floyd, he fought with them. This guy, I don't think ever fought. Because I really do think he was innocent. I think it was a freak accident. It was a misunderstanding from my, from my understanding of the case. And that stuff does unfortunately happen. You know, remember, there could be an optical illusion. Someone gets scared, they call the cops. Cops come in, something spooks them. Oh, cops shouldn't get so spooked easily. Well, I mean, it's easy to say that, but you you see on video every time they get spooked. You don't see the courageous restraint every time. I mean, like, think about that cop in Miami. I, everyone watched that video. You had a mob, like, like a lynch mob, like with poles banging their windshield, and these guys jumped out of the car and started hand-to-hand combat with them. And but did not use their weapon. That's extremely impressive. But I mean, you can't expect that from from every cop. And some of them are going to wind up dead and seriously injured. And others are going to get injured because they don't use force. And then even when they do hand to hand, they'll get if they win the fight too decisively, they'll get prosecuted for that. I mean, that's what we're seeing. Just as a side note, that cop was really cool taking on an entire mob. And like this is the thing with this whole macho violent culture that is being imbued in a lot of inner city black youth. These are the people they need to admire. That is cool. Not these criminals that are on drugs or go with 10 people and beat a victim for nothing. That's not cool. Defending yourself against 10 people like that, that is cool. But this is the thing. We, we glorify people like Rayshard Brooks. It's unbelievable. But anyway, here's another story from law enforcement today. The cop's head was bashed wide open with a stolen glass bong. It happened during the violent protests in Manhattan, and now a judge has released the alleged looter who did it, according to the New York Post. The worst part? It's not the first such move. It's actually the second time that Judge Laurie Peterson has overruled prosecutors and released defendant without bail. In that earlier case, it allegedly led to a pair of unprovoked slashings by the guy who was released. What could she be thinking? Is she living under a rock? Did, did she see the looting going on in the city? A cop who worked in Manhattan every night of the recent riots told The Post, I guess they really do want to do away with the cops and let criminals run wild. Don't, don't buy the lies, folks. You got, this is what you don't see. This is the context you don't see. This guy they let free, Kevin Bullock, 22, 
Vindla is a smoke shop, the corner of Walker and Baxter Streets, 2, 2 a.m. on June 1st. Police said that when an officer grabbed Bullock, one of the thieves hit the officer in the back of the head with a stolen bong from the store. Bullock allegedly had a rap sheet listing 23 prior arrests. The officer was left with a bloody gash and a, concu- and a concussion. After several days of recovering, he was placed on limited duty. You don't hear any of this. You have to understand, you could always find some story that somehow shows their narrative, but then really, when you find out the truth doesn't, and then there's a thousand others that authentically do show our side of the story, it doesn't get out. Meanwhile, 10%, we talk about the recidivism rate, you know, you know, 70% usually recidivate within 10 years. 10% of those freed from Rikers Island in New York because of coronavirus jailbreak have reoffended. 10% have been rearrested. So you could imagine there are even more. See, typically in the old days, you could say a cop comes, they'll back down. Now they'll fight with the cop because they're the heroes. The co- it's cops and robbers reversed. The cops are the are the are the villain. They're the hero. So they're going to fight with them. They're going to get more aggressive with them. So it's going to be even harder for the cops to escape a situation by apprehending him without them getting harmed, other people getting harmed, but without killing or seriously harming the suspect. You tell me under this standard how a cop is supposed to operate. It doesn't mean that in 375 annual interactions, there aren't some bad apples that don't do some bad thing sometimes. But if you're going to join and pile on this narrative, you're destroying this country. And then also you have an obligation to look at the numerous other cases that prove the opposite. When they use underwhelming force. And then you also have to understand the general structure and trend in our system right now. Where nobody's being locked up. Nobody's being reincarnated. Because he, he, here, here's the game they play. They're like, you know, a guy has a terrible rap sheet. Like, you know what? Let's give him, give him a second. I believe in second chances. So they let him off on parole. And then he violates the parole. Like, well, Daniel, you know, but violating parole is a low-level offense. <laughs> Ignoring the underlying offense. And then that's how they keep going and going and going. Well, he was only caught with a gun. He didn't murder anyone with it. It's, it's you know, felony possession. All right. Are, are we really going to add to the incarceration numbers and reverse our gains from parole? That's how they think. This is what, what happens everywhere. It's like these guys, I mean, again, even on my side, even, even where I work, like they, they, they have this idea of, oh, there's too aggressive policing and too, too, too much uh, sentencing and incarceration. It's like you're living in this utopia. It doesn't exist. The criminals get a, get a vote. They project their own self like yeah i have dealt with some obnoxious cops these stupid low-level offenses i agree the lockdown are low is low-level offenses but it's not like we're making progress it was one thing like i said if we had anarchy but we didn't have the tyranny at least then we we you know we're freed of the bs crimes no we're not they're clamping down on that more than ever because this is not about some sort of consistent principle of, you know, uh, the right criminal justice reform or, you know, police brutality. It's not. It's an anarchist agenda to destroy the country, establish a reverse Jim Crow, and then now just create protected classes. 
truly, truly sick what is going on in our country. Violence is the answer. And crime does indeed pay. You have no idea what that is going to induce among today's youth. In the remaining time, I just want to move back a little bit to... um, What do you call it? Um, Where is this? This case here, the Bostock v. Clayton County. That's this transgenderism Title VII case. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. So... I'm not even going to talk about the legal analysis, okay? This is a very long opinion and long dissent from Alito, um, joined by Thomas. By the way, Kavanaugh did dissent, but he wrote a separate dissent and didn't join Alito's dissent. And he basically virtue signaled, like, still, you know, I disagree, but it's a great day to celebrate equality in America, something like that. I don't have the quote in front of me. So typical, like, that. that's what he does all the time. So... You know, this is this is the big success. I mean, think about it. We got two horrible justices. We have the worst border crisis we had under this presidency, the worst breakdown in crime, the worst jailbreak bill signed by this president, the worst infringement of civil liberties ever, and the worst rioting. Oh, Daniel, how about that November election? Well, what about the first term? Trump is currently president. Hey, I'd hate to see what a second term looks like. I'm sick of this crap. If Trump can't stand up to this, resign. And yet, and yet we're going to get crushed because we're losing. But again, it's not we. I'm not a Republican. We need a new party yesterday. But I just want to end off with Alito's, um, with the political ramifications. Again, we don't need to talk about the legal absurdities of saying that something passed in 1964 with black civil rights leaders that would have been abhor- would have like been appalled by something called you know by homosexuality and would have never even been able to conceptualize someone castrating themselves and calling themselves a, a man or a woman the opposite sex but i want to talk about the policy implications and the social cultural implications for the country a lot of people are like well daniel i understand but the you know it's still you know you don't want to discriminate do you define discrimination for me See, what people don't understand is this. Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, even as it's properly applied, only in the right context, to true like sex and race, meaning discriminating against women or you know, someone for you know, or, or blacks, it's unconstitutional. Okay? It's unconstitutional. It is unconstitutional to sell, tell someone. There's one thing you could talk about, government. But someone with their private property to say, you have to hire him, you can't fire him. That is a violation of unalienable rights to shove someone in their business with someone they don't want. I don't care if they have good reasons for not wanting it. I don't care if they have rude reasons, downright hateful, horrendous, horrific, discriminatory reasons. Legally, that is unconstitutional. Barry Goldwater was not like a Southern Democrat. He was an Arizona Republican. He was not against civil rights, but he was against this because he said he was very concerned about this because of the slippery slope. Because once you create protected classes, you're going to have problems now. Now, nonetheless, it was justified because the government legitimately used the boot of the state power 
to violate property rights of blacks, unalienable life, liberty, and property of blacks for so many years, they felt that that was like, it was just needed. It was a one-time thing. <clears throat> it was needed. So they passed it. But you're going to want to limit that damage as much as you can. Because as we've seen in the ensuing <clears throat> half a century, it's not just a matter of, oh, a KKK type of guy that's an employer that's like, I hate your guts because you're black. No, it's all these cases of someone who is a horrible worker and does horrible things. And whereas a white person in a similar thing, they could fire if they happen to be black or a certain color, you're screwed. There's no way. I mean, anyone who has run a business knows exactly what I'm talking about. There is good and bad employees of every type of identity. And we, you need to be able to equally hire or fire them. All these things and stipulations and protections, they're meaningless. Even if you win in court, you get bankrupt in the lawsuits. This has been a huge problem. Now what they're doing is they're extending that to this. Now, could you imagine, again, this is not just a matter of someone coming in, oh, you happen to find out on Facebook that the guy practices as gay and is into that stuff. But it, you know, he doesn't do anything at work and whatever. But what if he starts acting freaky deaky? You have a man that dresses like a woman. I mean, I have the right to say I don't want that disruption and decorum in my workplace, okay? I mean, if you have a problem with that, that, that that's utterly insane. I have the legal right, but I'm saying also from a matter of like just prudence, it makes sense. It doesn't make someone necessarily a, hate, hate, a hateful and rude person like someone who would just be like, hey, you're black, I hate you, I'm not hiring you. That's number one. <clears throat> but Alito goes through all of the devastating consequences. What the court has done today interpreting discrimination because of sex to encompass discrimination because of sexual orientation or gender identity is virtually certain to have far-reaching consequences. Over 100 federal statutes prohibit discrimination because of sex. The briefs in these cases have called to our attention the potential effects that the court's reasoning may have under some of these laws, but the court waves those considerations aside. As to Title VII itself, the court dismisses questions about bathrooms, locker rooms, or anything else of the kind, and it declines to say anything about other statutes whose terms mirror Title VII's. The court's brusque refusal to consider the consequences, consequences of its reasoning is irresponsible. If the court had allowed the legislative process to take its course, Congress would have had the opportunity to consider competing interests and might have found a way of accommodating at least some of them. And, and they go through bathrooms and locker rooms. The courts may wish to avoid the subject, but it is a matter of concern to many people who are reticent about disrobing or using toilet facilities in the presence of individuals. Meaning all of the opposite sex, meaning all of these cases that we've been debating in state legislatures, it's over. This is the Roe v. Wade, the Obergefell. It's over. They codified it. They want to say, oh, no, it's not the 14th Amendment. It's statutory, Daniel. Come on. The, to, to, the Civil Rights Act in, in our political and legal system is tantamount to the 14th Amendment. It's tantamount to the Constitution, whether you like it or not. You codify that in Title VII, you are done. Those debates are over with. And that's what the court always does. When it goes to one level, like Kennedy was like, this is just sodomy. It's not gay marriage. And then he goes to gay marriage. Like he does each step. It, it, it's a lie to get you to the next step. It's the ratchet. 
For women who have been victimized by sexual assault or abuse, the experience of seeing an unclothed person with the anatomy of a male in a, in a confined intensive location, such as a bathroom or locker room, can cause serious psychological harm. Well, Daniel, no, this is Title VII. It has to do with employment. Uh, wh- what do you mean? A school locker room. It's the same concept. You're saying that sex means sexual orientation and gender identity. So it will apply to title, to, 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 to the education amendments of 1972 as well, as it does to Title Seven of 64. Under the court's decision, transgender persons will be able to argue that they are entitled to use a bathroom or locker room that is reserved for persons of the sex with which they identify. And while the court does not define what it means to be a transgender person, the term may apply to individuals who are gender fluid, that is, individuals whose gender identity is mixed or changes over time. Similar issue has arisen under um, Title IX. Oh, he talks about it. He talks about Title IX, which prohibits sex discrimination by any elementary or secondary school and any college or university. Yeah, I mean, that, that's straight up, but that's not even an extrapolation. Then he talks about women's sports. Title IX. You already have these lawsuits. And by the way, notice notice how a lot of people forgot, but a couple of weeks ago, the Supreme Court refused to take Idaho's appeal from the Ninth Circuit, where they, they said the uh, Idaho Bureau of Prisons had to offer a sex change operation, a castration, to an inmate and put them in with female prison mates. All this stuff is not hypothetical. It's playing out every day. He talks about, Alito talks about housing. You know, with separate facilities and dorms. It could be brought under the Fair Housing Act. Then obviously employment by religious institutions. Healthcare. Now you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to, um, a doctor's gonna be have to perform castration, freedom of speech. Even you're gonna have to use their preferred pronoun. New York City already has an ordinance making this a punishable offense if you fail to use the proper pronoun in their mind. This decision will codify that at a federal level. These are just a few things when you disrupt a man and a woman. Folks, we need a return to normalcy. We need a movement to return reality of natural law. That a man is a man and a woman is a woman. That a criminal is a criminal and a victim is a victim. Right and wrong. Where is our voice? It's the same Republican Party that got us all these Supreme Court justices for 70 years that screwed us. We have a world upside down. We have the worst criminals who abuse children, exalted as family men, and cops who are family men being prosecuted for self-defense. We have lost our country in worse ways than even I imagined. All I could do is pray together, pray to God for salvation, for guidance, that somehow we will think of some sort of idea to turn this around, to at least create some sort of oasis. I think what we really need to do is pick one state and a few counties within that state and all move there. 
Maybe it's time for our autonomous zone. After all, the government's saying you could have an autonomous zone. By the way, imagine if a right-wing militia would have done what they did in Seattle. Waco and Ruby Ridge would have looked like a walk in the park. But of course, we have a double standard. One for regular Americans and one for the media's protected classes. This is going to be a brutal week, but we got to know the truth, and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you straight. Thanks for listening, and God bless you all.